Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find a church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Going through the Gospels, and uh, we looked at a few different things in the Gospels. We looked at Jesus coming. We looked at Jesus being baptized. Last week, we looked at the temptation of Christ, where Christ faced off with the, with the devil, um, with the enemy. And um, if you're a guy, you know, you probably, have you ever wrestled? Like, guys, we like to wrestle. We like to fight. You know, we like to, to play with each other. But there comes a time when you're wrestling, when you're messing around with another guy, and he kind of hits you. Maybe like pops you in the nose, and it go, and you're like, oh man, we're really fighting. You know what I'm saying? It goes from a time from when you're just playing to all of a sudden, man, we're really fighting. And that's kind of what the temptation was, is, is Jesus went out there, and he let the enemy know. He just gave him a good jab right to the nose, kind of let it bleed a little bit, and said, hey, we're really in this. You know, I'm here to win this. And um, today, we're going to be talking about the next thing that he did, is he went out and he gathered a group of disciples, a group of followers um, and that was very important to his mission because Jesus doesn't work alone. He works with people. And um, in that spirit, I have a good friend, Mr. Dan Jones. He's going to come up and he's going to share his testimony. Now, he's really nervous. Everybody give him a hand. Make him feel better. But he's going to do a great job. How's everybody doing today? All right. He was right. I am nervous. I'd rather fight a bear than public speak. But uh, I'm going to give my testimony today. Um, when I was about 14 years old, I got interested in drugs. And I had a lot of a dentist appointments. I had a lot of dental work done. So I, was, I had a lot of access to opiates. And from that, it just grew into something bigger and stronger. And I was a high-functioning addict. I had a full-time job. I could afford my habit. I could afford my bills. I made good money young, and it, it, it was fun until it wasn't. And uh, in that time, I worked at a restaurant called Carabas, and I remember working on the line, and I, I saw this woman, and I was just like, gosh, who is she? And it was one of the prettiest women I've ever seen. And then I got to know her, and her name was Rachel. She's actually right there. She is phenomenal. And... There was a time my cousin passed away, and she was like, want to come get high with me? <laughs> Absolutely. So we went and hung out, and that night we started dating, and 13 days later we were married. And I don't recommend that for anybody. Don't do it. I, was, I grew up in a Christian household, but I, I didn't understand what Christian was. Um, it just wasn't the depth that I see now. And about a month into being married, my wife was like, well, I committed my life back to Jesus. Like, and? You know, I, I didn't understand what that meant. And it took a year of fighting and just, it, it was awful. It, it was the hardest year I've ever had. And I never met her family because it was 13 days. Her grandma was coming to our house, and I was going to meet this woman for the first time. And I knew she was a hardcore Pentecostal lady. And my wife had to work when she was showing up. And I'm just like, I, I, I don't want to be here. You know, I, I just I don't want to meet her that way. And I didn't have a choice. So she came. And I, I remember I was withdrawing off drugs that day. And we had 20 bucks. And I was like, please, can I have the $20 just to get through this? 
And she was like, no. And uh, so her grandma comes over, sits at, sits at my dining room table, and just immediately starts blasting me with Jesus. And I thought my walls were <laughs> so high. And after about two hours of testimony and just miraculous things that she was talking about, I end up bawling, crying, and I get saved. And I remember right after that, I went to my wife's work. because she, she worked in a restaurant real close to our house. And I walked in, and she looked at me right in the face and had no idea who I was. I don't know what that means, but I, I lived with her for a year, and she looked right over me. And I had to walk up to her, and I'm just like, hi. And she's like, what happened to you? You know, so I told her about that, you know, and then you get on this spiritual high, you know, it, it was excellent. Everything was great. You're bet. I mean, I had a real issue with anger. You know, I throw things, punch walls and do stuff like that. And it was gone. It was minimal. I mean, it was nothing. I could you slap me in the face. Hoorah. But after a couple months of that, you get back into your habits or, you know, life tends to come back down on you and you start sinning and you get back into your old habits and you get to this place where you're just like, I can't go back to God. I can't step back into that. And you end up back in your same bad habits. And I did. I did this multiple times where you're just like, I can't go back into the presence of God. And if you hear anything I say today, please know there is nothing you're doing that you cannot step back in the presence of God and he will meet you there. And and it was, a, it was a lot of that, and it's a lot of building. And me and my wife have been through so much. I can't even go into the details of the things we have gone through in marriage and things that I've done so many awful things to my wife, and she has endured way more than anyone should, and all she did was pray for me and prayed for me and prayed for me. And that's how I end up here. So if you're in that position too, pray for your spouse. Please pray for your spouse. It, it, it'll change their life. Um, and you just don't get stuck in a hole. Don't stop moving forward. Don't sit there and think that you cannot enter into the presence of God again because he will meet you there every time. And then I met Chris. And I, I, I didn't like church. Church was awful for a long time. Yeah, I thought it was full of judgy people. And I got to meet guys like Mickey and Mike White, David Murray, Jason Corey, these are men who have put me so far out of my comfort zone that it just <laughs> drives me nuts. But it's awesome. It's amazing. Get a part of something. Even if it's not here, meet men, get together, do things, push each other, and encourage one another. And that's all I got. Good work, man. Good work. He did a good job, didn't he? Amen. That was one of those get him out of the comfort zone type of things. But he just has a great testimony. If, um, when you came in, you should have got one of these. If you didn't, raise your hand and somebody can get you. It'll allow you to follow in with the message that we're going to go through today. But I thank you, Dan, for your boldness. Um, raise your hand. There's somebody up here that needs one. If there, There's a few people. So David or look at Dan. He's getting up. He just can't help but serve the Lord. And I, that's one of the reasons I appreciate Dan is he's a, he has a servant's heart and um, we're not in this for glory, we're in this for Jesus, and, I, and he's one of the people that I know, like many others, is here. But while they're doing that, I'm going to pray, and um, we're just going to invite the Lord here, and then we're going to talk about the disciples that Jesus picked, the men and women that he, he surrounded himself with. But Father, I, I give you honor and glory.
Jesus, you died for us, and you rose again, and, and you changed my life. You changed Dan's life. You changed so many people's lives, and we didn't deserve it. And we would mess up, and we mess up, and you take us back every time. Your mercy is great, and you meet us where we're at, but you don't leave us there. And so right now, meet every single one of us where we're at and bring us to where you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A few things. I called this message the, the invitation, and then there's, there's two words, um, come and see and, and follow me. And, and Jesus would say that to people when he met them. He would say, come and see, and he would say, follow me, and he would invite us into something. Now, the Gospels is what we're going over, and the background, these are historical documents for um, people's testimonies of what Jesus did, how he lived, what he taught when he was here. And, And in these four stories, we see Jesus constantly going out and meeting people and inviting them into a relationship with him. And, and I want you to write that in the first point, is Jesus invites all kinds of people in all kinds of situations to himself. That's the best thing about Jesus, is, is he, he's not picky. He's not looking for one type of person. He's not looking for rich people. He's not looking for poor people. He's not looking for smart people. He's not looking for dumb people. He's looking for people. And in the scriptures, you're going to see that he gets a group of people around him, and they're different. And somehow all these different people come, and they find Jesus, and they encounter him, and they get a part of something that's bigger than themselves. And I want to start um, in the book of John, and you're going to see in verse 38, um, Jesus, um, he he meets people. Now, Jesus is, is around John the Baptist. And um, some of John the Baptist's disciples are there. And Jesus turned, and he saw them following. So John the Baptist, John the Baptist, he had some followers, and, and he pointed Jesus out to them. And so they started following Jesus. And Jesus turns, and he looks at them, and he says, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. So if you hear the word rabbi, that's what it means. They said, where are you staying? Like, they wanted more. They're like, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him for that day, for it was about the 10th hour. And one of the two who heard him speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. That first point is, Jesus invites us all to come and see. Come and see. Come and see that he is what we need. See, I believe that you can really not try God in a disrespectful sense. God is not going to do, do tricks for you. He's not a genie in a bottle. He's not going to do something just to, because you come at him arrogantly. But if you come to God humbly and you're like, God, if you're really real, if, you really, if you're really out there and you really love me, prove it. I guarantee you God will answer that. Like, he'll, he'll, he'll show you when you're humble. Like, I, I've told this story a few times, but, uh, like, I believe this stuff. I believe in Jesus, and so when I got saved, it was a similar story. Came off of drugs and then came right back, uh, like, right into God, full steam, 
And then I would take everybody to church because I wanted them to come and see. I'd be like, come and see this God that I found. And so people would come to church, and, and I'd meet people, and they didn't have a car, and I wouldn't let that be an excuse. I'd, I'd go in my truck, and I'd pick them up and load them in there, and we'd bring them to church, and then, and then I had to bring them home. Um, and so I was doing that. I was taking kids home on like a Wednesday night of church, back when we had church on Wednesday night. And I lived in Miami, and I'm, I'm driving back to where I lived, and where I lived in Miami, and it's kind of hard to picture, but it was like on the edge of the Everglades, you know, it was closer to the Everglades, and so there wasn't, like, lots of lights and South Beach and all this stuff you see, like, the arena and whatever you see on TV. It was, you know, more more country out there in this particular part. And it's dark, and I'm driving, and there's this lady sitting on the side of the road. And something in me just said, stop and tell her I love her. And everything in me said, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. So I kept driving in my truck, but my heart is pounding, and I'm getting like, like I'm like, I got to do this. My heart is, tell her I love her, tell her I love her, tell her I love her. And so I'm thinking, maybe I lost my mind. You know, maybe I'm insane. Maybe I, like, lost it. Maybe I'm done for. But I turned the car around, and I'm only, like, 17 years old. And I turned the car around, and I, I come back, and I parked far enough away because in Miami, even though this was more country, you know, I didn't want her to think I was going to jump her or anything. So I gave some space, you know, a good 20, 30 feet, and I said, hey, uh, my name is Chris what's your name? And she said, Faith. That made me feel better. You know, Faith is a good name at that point. And so I said, well, because I didn't know what else to say. God wants you to know he loves you. This girl sitting on the side of the road, side of an avocado field, and then she starts bawling. Not like crying, not like little tear. She starts bawling, like weeping, like, <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? Maybe she lost it too. Maybe we're both crazy. And so I walk over to her, and she's like, you're never going to believe this. And I was like, I just stopped on the side of the road, like, try me, you know, like, let's see where this goes. And she goes, I just got in a fight with my boyfriend. We trashed the apartment. I put holes in the wall. I told him I was leaving. I just left the apartment walked out as far as I could away from the city, and I was just looking up at the stars right now, and I said, God, if you're real, and you love me like people say that you do, like, prove it, God, if you really do. And like five minutes later, this chubby little kid jumps out of the car and says, God wants you to know he loves you, so you can do that. God wants you to see that. Like, wherever you're at, doesn't matter if you've never followed God or, or maybe you need God to be real right now, you can come and see. Like, God wants to prove himself, and if you come at him humbly, whatever you need, like, he, he's not greedy. He's not trying to lead you along and keep you, keep you from good stuff. He wants you to know. So come and see. That's what Jesus told, told Andrew as he was following him. Well, then we keep going um, in verse 41. So Andrew came and he saw, right? So he did. He saw that he was. And Andrew does something awesome in verse 41. First, he went and he found his own brother, Simon. And he said to him, Simon, we found the Messiah, which means Christ, which is like the one they were waiting for. Andrew went and he saw that Jesus was who he said he was, and he immediately had to go and tell somebody else. And that is a mark. If you're a follower of Christ, like you do this automatically. This was day one for Andrew. He went and he found his brother. Day one. Like, you got to see this. That's what happened to me. That's what happens to people is like, if you believe this, how can you hold it up? How can you hold it back? 
You got to tell somebody. This, this next weekend, I'm going to be in Florida. My aunt is, is, is a pronounced atheist who's dying of cancer, and they don't expect her to live probably past the fall. So the whole family's coming together next weekend and having Christmas in July because she's probably not going to be around. And I'm going. And I'm going to share the gospel. I'm praying I do it right. I'm praying it's done well, but like, I, you got to know that God is real. Whether she receives or not, like that, that's between her and the Lord, but, but that's what believers do. And look who he brought. He brought his brother Simon. This is Peter. This is the guy who walked on water. This is like Jesus is one of his closest guys came to Christ through his brother. Andrew, the one person, the first person he reached turned out to be one of the most powerful men of God ever. And the next day, so he brought him to Jesus. Now verse 43, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he finds Philip. Now Philip is another one of his followers. And he says to Philip, he says, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Now, that's the other piece of what Jesus says is follow me and learn to live and to love like me. See, when you follow Christ, that's who you can fill in. Learn to live and love like me. Like that's what he's inviting you to do. When you come and you come and see that God is good, that's where it starts. But just like Dan said, like when he came to Christ... He was happy. His anger started to change, and he started to love people. And Dan is here out of the goodness of his heart because he believes this stuff. And, and we come here on Sundays. There's a group of us that are on the dream team, and, and we come and we pray, and we, we just want you to come and see, and then we follow Jesus, and, and we want to be like Jesus. We want to love like he does. Now, are we perfect? No. See, I believe you come to God as you are, and then he begins to change you. So I challenge you. Maybe you're at the part where you need to come and see. And maybe you're at the part where you need to follow me, where you need to, to learn to love and let go of some things and live like Jesus lived and love like Jesus loved. Now we go on into John in, in verse 45. So Philip, what did Philip do in verse 45? Philip goes, just like Andrew, and he finds Nathaniel, And he says to him, we found him of whom Moses, the law, and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel's awesome. He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, Jesus wasn't from a good part of town. It's like, Nazareth, really? Think about your town. Where's the one street, the one neighborhood that you'd be like, really, there? The Messiah came from that place? There's some places, many things I can think of in Miami. I don't want to name them to be disrespectful, but it's like, if you told me you came from that area, I'd be like, uh, probably not the Messiah. But that's where Jesus came from. And in fact, Jesus spent his time in Capernaum and in Galilee, and, and that's where he picked his people from. It wasn't the good part of town. Like most of these first guys, it wasn't the best part of town. It was maybe a little bit rougher. It was on the edge. It was in between two Two, two kingdoms, and it was on a trading route, and it was on the city, and it was about a, a town of about 1,500. And that's where he gets Andrew from, and Peter, and Philip, and Nathaniel. And Nathaniel puts it out there, can anything good come? And Philip says the same thing. He says, come and see. Give Jesus a chance. Like, what's the worst that could happen? If you put your heart out there, and you really said, God, if you're real, uh, let's do this. Like, 
prove it. Here I am. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Either God is real or he's not. <laughs> the, uh, the president of the Philippines, Duarte, did you guys see he put something out there? He said uh, he'll offer a million dollars or he'll step, down, he'll step down from power, I think is what it said this morning as I read. If anybody can prove that God is real, if somebody could take a selfie with God. I was like, no, God's not taking a selfie with you. But he did send his son, Jesus Christ, who is the perfect image of himself. And he does reveal himself in Christ. So come and see Christ and see if God does not reveal himself to you. So let's break down. I told you I was going to talk about the disciples. So I want to talk about a few of the disciples, give you some background. And and maybe you'll see in them yourself, or maybe you won't. I don't know. But Andrew was the first one. Andrew was following a man. He was following John the Baptist when he encountered Christ. There's some of you out here that you're following a person. If you're following a person, you're going to be let down. If you follow Chris, I'm going to let you down. I'm going to hurt your feelings. I'm, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to be there when you need me. I mean, I'm just going to lay it out. I'm just not. I'll do my best. I try to be there. I try to love people. But when it comes down to it, like, I can't do everything. Or maybe you're following a pastor on TV, and, and that pastor probably is going to fall. He's probably going to make a mistake. Not all of them do, but, but men are not worthy to be followed. Only Christ is. So follow me as long as I follow Christ, and if I ever fail, you keep going. Try to pick me up. Try not to leave me there. You know, they say the Christian church is the only army that, that shoots their wounded. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody falls and we just shoot him and put him down. And, and whether it's your mom who was a believer, but she's not perfect, or your dad who was a believer, but he's not perfect, like, it's okay, don't follow a man. That's what Andrew was doing, following John the Baptist, but then he changed and, and he started following Christ. And then he went and found Peter. Peter was the type of guy who I want to say, he was just surviving life. If you read about Peter and go in the Gospels and Google it and do a keyword search and read all about Peter, but I'll tell you a nutshell. Peter lived with his mother-in-law. Right off the bat, that's rough. All right, his mother-in-law lived there with him. Nothing against mother-in-laws, but he had a big family. He owned a small business, a fishing thing with his brother. He had a wife. He was married. Like, he was just surviving life. Life was kind of tough back then. No, I'm sorry, mother-in-law. That was just a joke. Don't take it. I love my mother-in-law. She's awesome. All right, forgive me. See, I'm not perfect. Don't follow man. But Peter was out there. He was just surviving life. Like, it was hard back then. There was no disability. There's no disability. There's no social security. There's no health care. Doctors are rare. Like, you're out there fishing, like, for real. Like, naked and afraid for real. You're out there alone. You got nothing. You've got your boat. And if your boat breaks, you got to fix it. If your back breaks, better keep fishing. And then you got your wife to take care of, and you got your mother-in-law to take care of, and then he had a, some kind of small business, so employees, they'll drive you crazy. You know, I mean, they're not working unless he's there, and he has to go there and make sure they're fishing, and, oh, this guy's stealing fish, and he has to let that guy go, and he's just surviving life. Some of you out there today, you're just surviving life. You're making it through, waiting for the next paycheck. Like there has to be more than that. There has to be more than the, tr- the troubles of life. And then we go down, we got Philip. Philip, I, I see Philip as somebody who was searching for meaning. 
What we read about Philip is when, when Jesus did the miracle with the loaves and the fishes. If you guys remember that story where he multiplied loaves and he multiplied fishes. Philip was the one, Jesus said, let's feed these people. And Philip was the one that was like, do we need to go buy a bunch of food? Like, how are we going to do this? How is this really going to work? He was looking for the Messiah. He's the one that Jesus said he was, Jesus found him. He was lost. He was looking for something more. He might have not had all the troubles that Peter did, where Peter was just locked in the nine to five and fishing and, and, and on the boat. But this was a guy that, that was looking for something a little bit more. And the more to be found is in Jesus Christ. The answer is in Jesus Christ. He seems like he was somebody who was questioning. There's, there's not a lot written about Philip, but from what it is, he's asking questions. He's looking for meaning. He wants something more. There's some people here that the 9 to 5 doesn't satisfy you. Paying your bills is not enough. Like, you want something meaningful. You want something real. You want your life to make a difference. And, and if that's you, the only way it can happen is in Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can give you true meaning. Because he shows you how to love. And when you love, it feels good. And when you do something for others, and you learn about that, it's in Jesus Christ. Then you had Nathaniel, or Nathan. Nathan, if you read, when Jesus sees him, Jesus said, oh, I saw you underneath the fig tree, under the shadow of the fig tree. Nathan was probably safe in the shadows. Now, in the, in the Talmud, it was understood uh, being under the fig tree was a reference a lot of times to, to reading the law and the prophets. So it's likely that Nathan was, in that reference, he, he might have actually been under a fig tree just chilling. Or maybe he was under there reading the, the, the Old Testament because that's all that they had. They were kind of writing the New Testament now. But he was somebody that was probably searching the scriptures. He came to see the Messiah. And he was stuck in the law, the letter of the law. And, and, you know, the fig tree, when you think about fig tree, that's what Adam and Eve, when they found out they were naked, right? Wouldn't that be a surprise? I was like, whoa, I'm naked. Like, you watch Naked and Afraid? I don't know. My family's been in the kick. And don't worry, they blur, blur things out, so we're not seeing boobies and things, all right? But, all right? But you watch that show, and there's blurring. But one of the first things they do is, is they realize, like, we need to get some clothes, and I love watching the dummies that, like, the first day they get, like, fourth-degree burns in the sun. I'm like, how do you not know the sun sucks? Like, everybody knows that. But they go out there, and they work, and, like, all their stuff is out. And, like, you need to be clothed. But what Adam and Eve, like, they clothe themselves with the fig leaves. And sometimes we clothe ourselves with the law or trying to do the right thing. You ever notice that sometimes people that are the worst people are the most religious people? And when I say religious, is like they clothe themselves in church or they clothe themselves in, in doing the right thing, but they're really like just a SOB in a way, like son of a bad person, I guess. All right, that's what I meant. Forgive me. But we know that it's true. They're, they're son of the devil, son of the bad enemy, like they're just hiding in religion. I didn't mean to offend you. I want to let you know, I'm not complaining, but I found out I probably have a herniated disc and I didn't take my pain pill, so you're lucky. Because had I taken my pain pill, it would be a lot worse. But I'm in a lot of pain right now. I'm not complaining, but I'm just telling you. But there's still people, maybe even in this room, you're safe in the shadows. You're hiding in religion. 
and you need to come out of religion and come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because religion won't save you. Only Jesus Christ will save you. Then you had James and John. James and John, they were two brothers. And it says they work for their father. They're just supporting their family, just, just in the family business, which was kind of a big deal because that probably means that if they were old enough to be working and old enough to be men, that their dad was probably older. And that was a rough life. It was a hard life, and their dad probably needed them. And it says they left their nets and their father to go and follow Christ. There's some people here that you put your family, maybe not in this room, but some people in the world, you put your family above Christ, and that, that just can't happen. Now, you got to love your family. I'm not saying don't love your family. you got to honor your parents. you got to take care of your parents. But when it comes down to it, you got to follow Christ before that. My dad, I was hurt. I told you I've been hurt. I spent the last week and a half on my back hanging out with my dad, and he loves westerns, and so now I love westerns. We've been watching westerns, and we went outside and shot a black powder pistol after. I mean, we were just like, let's go do this. You know, I'm in pain, but I could still shoot a gun. And, but we were hanging out with my dad, and I love him. But when I became a Christian, my dad had a plan for my life. And I said, i got to follow God. And he said, you can follow God as long as you do what I want you to do first. And I was like, no, I, I got to be at church. I want to I be a, I think God's calling me to be a pastor and I got to do this. And he said, yeah, 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 whatever. I want you to do this. And we would go at it. Huge fight. Got kicked out of the house once. Had to go live with the youth pastor for like two or three days. But in that time, God's faithful. Now, I love my dad, and we, we have a good relationship. I'm not saying that you don't honor your family. Some of you maybe need to honor your family more. Some of you need to maybe love your parents more, love your kids more. It's not what I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying, when it comes down to it, you have to follow Christ. If your family's not going that direction, then you got to say goodbye. And you know what? A lot of times, God will work in you to reach your family. And my dad, when I, today, when I was like, I can't carry anything and do anything, he was like, I'll be there at 8 o'clock, help you out. But to get to this point, where we're both following Christ, there was a time I had to walk alone. And you might have to do that. So that's what James and John, that's where they were at. Let's move into a little bit more scripture. If we go to um, the book of Mark, chapter 2, um, Jesus is walking, he's in the same area, the same part of town, like where it was on the, the, the Sea of Galilee, and it was a trading era, and they trading area, and they, they had like a booth where they would collect taxes because the government's always going to get theirs. Amen? So they were collecting taxes, and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. Now, that was probably not a good position because you were a Jew, you were a Hebrew, and you were working for the Romans, collecting taxes for the Romans, so you were like a sellout. And then regardless of whether you were a sellout for the Romans or not, you're collecting taxes. So everybody didn't like you right off the bat. Nobody likes the IRS now, and it was worse then because it was really easy for them to be crooked. And it was kind of like they could take as much as they want and as long as they gave Rome theirs, they could pocket the rest. And so he is working for Rome, and he's collecting taxes. The people in his own community, his own brothers and sisters, probably didn't like him. 
You're working for the enemy, the occupying force. Imagine if another country was here and there was somebody, your brother was walking around and he was wearing their flag on his arm. And he was bossing you around and he was telling you what to do in the name of whatever other country. He wouldn't be your fan and he was taking your money. Like now it'd be like direct debit. He'd be like, beep, push a button and bam, 500 bucks flew out of your account. And then he kept 200 of them. He wouldn't be very popular and that's who Levi was. But Jesus looked at him and he said, follow me. And Levi rises up, he rose and followed him. And then Jesus actually goes to his house. Because it says, as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. If you keep reading, it says the scribes of the Pharisees, so the religious people, the ones that were safe in the shadows, hiding in religion. When they saw that he was eating, this is Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors. So that's like sinners, bad people, tax collectors, even worse. And he said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus, he heard it, and he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I come to call the righteous. I come to call not the righteous, but sinners. See, Levi, he was serving his master. Dan talked about it. You know, he was a a functioning addict is what Dan said. Some of us are functioning sin addicts. We serve our master. We've made peace with the enemy. On the outside, maybe we look like we're doing good, but all we've done is we've made peace with the enemy and we're serving a wrong master. I don't know what your sin might be, and I'm not trying to to be judgmental because Jesus loves you. Jesus, if you're a big sinner, Jesus would have been hanging out with you and loving you. And he would have been meeting you right where you're at. And he would, have been, he would have been saying, come and see. And as you came and saw, you'd be just like Levi. You'd leave your table and you'd walk away. It's amazing what God can do to set somebody free. See, I don't think Levi enjoyed what he was doing. I don't think he liked being a sellout. But he had no other option. Some of you might be in an addiction and you might feel like you have no other option. I have to do this. If I don't do this, I'm not going to be happy or I'm going to be extra angry. Or if I, don't, if I don't go do this, you know, how can I survive? And, 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 and sin will dull your senses. But it will leave you empty. And if you're here today serving another master, I invite you to come and see Jesus and follow him because you don't have to be. You know, for a long time, that, that's the hardest part for me is to know that God could love me even when... Um, I didn't love myself. We move forward, and, and we're almost done. To book of Luke, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. This is Jesus. It says, Soon afterward, he went on through the cities and the villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. That was some of the ones we've already named. And I want you to read this, because I think the church too long has maybe forgotten about the ladies. It says, There were some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, with whom seven demons had gone out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for Jesus out of their means. 
See, these ladies, they were suffering in silence. Mary had demons cast out. That's bad. Like, anytime you got a demon, that's pretty bad. And they said, what, seven demons? That's, like, extra bad. Like, I don't know what your problem is, but if you're not possessed, count your blessings. You know what I'm saying? And if you are possessed, let's get free. But, but like, the demonic is real. But if, if, you, if you woke up this morning and seven demons didn't live inside your heart, like, praise God. You know what I'm saying? You got something going for you. And if you woke up this morning and you were tormented, well, like, let's get free. Because I believe the enemy is real and he does like to torment people. And then you had, you had Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager. Meaning he was a rich guy in a powerful position and his name was Chusa. He was probably a loser. This lady's married to this guy. He has a name like Chusa. You know it was uncomfortable. He was probably fat and abusive. And, but she's married to him. And yeah, she's better than the other ladies, you know, because she has like maybe a better house. But she's married to this nasty dude who does all kinds of stuff. And you're like, ah. Oh. You know, there's some ladies you've been suffering. It doesn't really say what Susanna was, but it says they were healed from evil spirits and infirmities. There's people here, you, ladies, God loves you, and sometimes you do suffer in silence. Sometimes we forget that, that women have a huge part in the kingdom of God. And if you're a woman here today, like, God has a place. These ladies were named. In fact, it was the ladies. Like, most of the men ran away when Jesus got crucified but it was the ladies who stood strong. And on the first day they could get back to the tomb, the guys weren't there. It was the ladies who were the first one to go to the tomb, and they just wanted to care for his body because they knew what this body had done for them. Jesus was probably the first man that didn't abuse them or, or, or treat them poorly. He, he let them be a part of his teachings. That was like revolutionary. They could actually be part of his followers. Like it was a big deal. He, he opened up a place for these ladies and they went there to anoint his body because they loved him and he was gone. They were the first people. That's why I love the Gospels because they were the first people to go and tell the message that he rose again. You wouldn't put that in the Gospels if it was, wasn't true because the, the testimony of a woman wasn't even accepted in court. And you don't have to suffer in silence. You might be suffering. You might, you might have a chooser in your life. God can help you out. You might have a demonic issue in your life. You know, you might have a, a lady chooser. You might be a guy here married to somebody just the same. You know, she's unbearable. And you're suffering, and you're trying to figure out, how can I make that? And just like Dan said, if you pray for your spouse, like God can do, do things. And so those are the people that Jesus called. And Jesus is calling people like that today. You read these men and women, they went out and they changed the world. They were not perfect. They had their own issues. They had their own struggles. But these were the people that changed the world. And I believe that right here today, God is calling some people today to himself. He's inviting you to come and see, to give God a try. See if he's big enough for your problem. See if he's really what you need. And then he's inviting us to follow me, to follow him, not me, but him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second. As I've been talking today, 
I know it wasn't perfect. I apologize for saying SOB. I shouldn't have said that. But maybe you've heard yourself. Maybe you've picked up on who you are. Maybe you're struggling in life. Maybe you're suffering in silence. Maybe you've been putting your family ahead of God, or maybe you've been searching for meaning. Maybe you've been serving a master that you shouldn't serve. Maybe you sense God calling you today. God calling you into a deeper relationship with him. Maybe calling you to be free, calling you to come and see, calling you to follow him. Maybe, maybe you realize if God could call those people, maybe he could call me too. Maybe you're suffering in silence and, and you need to, that touch of Jesus Christ to bring healing. I believe God loves every person in this room. If you feel God is calling you closer and, and you feel like he's been challenging you and, and you feel like you want to come and see, would you just put your hand up right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you've never accepted Christ. Maybe you've never given God a chance, but you're willing today in a humble way, not with arrogance, but in a humble way to let God prove himself in your life. If that's you, would you just put your hand up right now? Maybe you're suffering in silence. Maybe you've been hiding in the shadows and on the outside everybody thinks you're good but you realize something needs to change. You don't want to suffer anymore. Would you put your hand up right now? Thank you, Jesus. Just stand with me right now. I'm going to invite prayer teams to come to the front. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>